Warriors finally stopped the bleeding with a win at home against the Kings on Monday. Now looking to take on the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight. What's up, guys? This is the We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, Sports Ethos presentation. Sam Warlick, your host here, covering all things Warriors for you guys. Today, we've got a great episode. Going to be talking about the game on Monday, previewing the game against the Cavs tonight, breaking down a recent interview with Bob Myers via The Athletic, and a few other updates for the Warriors. So, starting with the game against Sacramento, 47 points for Stephen Curry. This was honestly one of Curry's best games in quite a while. Warriors just struggling on so many fronts, trying to right the ship, coming off the five-game losing streak on their road trip, taking on the Sacramento Kings, who have also been going through some ups and downs themselves, but overall playing much improved basketball. The Kings are definitely no cakewalk, as we saw. Um, The Kings actually beat the Cleveland Cavaliers the other night. So what's going on here? Well, it took a near-perfect fourth quarter for the Warriors to hang on. Warriors built up a lead early, and as per usual, is the second unit giving away the lead. Warriors down 12 heading into the halftime, 67 to 55. And the third quarter did not fare much better. Uh, Warriors closed the gap by three. But really, it was the Warriors outscoring the Kings 37 to 25 in the fourth that really put the game away. Um, Steph Curry had 17. Wiggins had 13. Curry, 6 of 8 from the field. Wiggins, 5 of 5 from the field. And Steve Kurt just imploring his team for any type of energy or cohesion. Um, Steve Kerr opted to start Jordan Poole at the start of the third quarter to get him going at the expense of Kevon Looney. Not that Looney was doing anything wrong. It was more just trying to get a different look um, for the Warriors, inject some energy, and playing Poole with the starting lineup to see if it could get him going. Uh, more to talk about with Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson in a moment. Steph Curry finished the game 47 points just absolutely on fire 7 of 12 from 3 17 of 24 overall from the field 6 of 7 from the line 8 rebounds 8 assists and no turnovers he was plus 20 in the minutes on the floor uh Andrew Wiggins we just spoke about his 5 of 5 performance in the fourth quarter he ended up with 25 points 10 of 7 from the field 4 of 8 from 3 10 rebounds um Draymond Green, 4 of 7 from the field, 3 of 5 from the line, 11 points. Klay Thompson, 6 of 18 from the field with 16 points. And that was basically it for the Warriors in the scoring column. And you just see how much they have continued to rely on their starting unit to to put up points on the board. Jordan Poole, 1 of 4. He only had 2 points. Anthony Lamb, 2 of 6. He had 4 points. Ty Jerome had 2 points. Jonathan Kaminga had five points, and Moses Moody had two points. So very, very, very minimal low scoring from the second unit. Steve Kerr running a tighter nine-man rotation. Um, Sorry, 10-man rotation, but did not make a significant difference. James Wiseman and Jermichael Green uh, also picked up DNPs. And again, you know, Sacramento's no pushover. 
So this isn't to take away anything from them. Of course, their franchise has been riddled with uh, mismanaged rosters and um, poor execution as of late, which Warriors fans can all relate to from the troublesome years of their past. But this is a Sacramento Sacramento Kings team that actually beat the Cla- the Cleveland Cavaliers a few nights after playing the Warriors. So they are not a bad team this year. Mike Brown's got them playing defense, um, putting energy on both sides of the floor. And so, sure, at a glance, you say, well, it took Steph Curry 47 points for a three-point victory over the Kings. Um, you look at the little contributions that the Warriors got from anyone not named Wigan, Clay, Curry, and Draymond offensively. And you can see how there are clearly a lot of issues going on with the Warriors. So first, it's great to rack up the win. Um, A win is a win, no matter if you win by 30 or three points. So, um, ah, yes. And I nearly forgot to mention the fact that Sacramento had the ball at the end of the game with an opportunity to tie. And uh, the referees did not call a foul on Clay Thompson on a Kevin Herter three. But the uh, NBA two, um, the NBA review after the game, um, their uh, after the game report said that they missed missed the foul on Thompson. So um, for all we know, in another universe, that game could have gone to overtime, and who knows where that goes. But that isn't how it played out. Warriors will take the win, sitting at four and seven now. Um, again, you needed to stop the bleeding. You needed to pick up a win take care of business at home. The first one's always the hardest. And as much as we can write off Sacramento as being this kind of lackluster middle of the pack team, um, Mike, Mike Brown's got them playing at a high level. Uh, almost every game that they've played in this season has come down to the wire, regardless of their opponent. So I just think that it's not quite the same to kind of dismiss this victory and say, you know, we barely, we barely won against a Sacramento Kings team that then went on to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers, who before that game were um, sitting on an 8-0 win streak in their own right. So anything is possible in the NBA, you know, regardless of where teams sit in the standings, guys can play above or below their talent level. And, um, you know, you needed to pick up a win and, and Curry definitely willed this team to victory. So, Let's talk a little Poole and Thompson, obviously. I think those are the two biggest contributing factors, in my opinion, to the Warriors' slow start this season. I know so many people are being so critical of, the, and myself included, of the Warriors' second unit, the bench, um, the inconsistent play from the likes of Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman. Um, but I really think that it's Poole and Thompson who really are going to be the driving force for this team and how successful they're going to be in the regular season. Um, Clay Thompson, again, against Sacramento, he played 38 minutes, six of eight from the six of 18 from the field, three of 10 from three, one of two from the foul line, two rebounds, three assists, a steal, two blocks, three turnovers, uh, 16 points. So, you know, the steals and blocks were nice. Um, volume shooter, obviously, at a low percentage, 6 of 18. Thompson attempted 10 three-pointers, which was second on the team um, for that night. Curry attempted 12. Wiggins attempted 8. And uh, Clay Thompson has been struggling. I think that would come as no surprise to anybody. Still 
still kind of building his rhythm and finding his momentum after not really participating in um, summer scrimmages that had him kind of ramping up late coming into summer camp and saw his minutes being restricted early on in, in the early parts of the season. We also saw Clay Thompson sit um, in back-to-backs, either the front or back end of those games. Uh, 38 minutes, I think, was very encouraging to see from Thompson. I think it's safe to say that most of his minutes restrictions have been lifted at this point. I do think it's probably likely is going to continue to sit those back-to-back games just until at least um, train Warriors training staff Rick Celebrini gives him the thumbs up. I don't know that he will, but we'll see. On the season, though, Clay Thompson putting up averages per game of 15 points on 15 field goal attempts, shooting 36% from the field, 9.6 three-point attempts, shooting 30, 32.6% from three, 2.6 assists, and 1.7 turnovers. So obviously, I think the biggest takeaways from those numbers are Thompson is basically averaging the same points as field goal attempts. And that's rough, man. That That's really tough. You know that Clay Thompson is an incredible shooter, one of the best shooters, the league has ever seen, but when you're attempting 15 plus shots a game and only putting up 15 points at such high volume, and so many of those shots are threes, you'd really like to see a higher conversion rate. And so I think that in that sense, if Clay's going to continue to be such a volume shooter and and be and find himself with such with such little accuracy. Um, or if it in such low efficiency, I do think that this offense for the Warriors is going to struggle in the half court. It's just not that's a lot of shots and not and not a lot of conversions. So there obviously needs to be some improvement there. I personally have a lot of faith in Clay Thompson. I don't think that the time off affected his shot. I think this is just a matter of him getting back into rhythm, him getting his head right, and getting locked in on both sides of the floor. And when that happens, when you see Clay Thompson's, you know, points closer to the 20 to 25 range on those 15 field goal attempts, I mean, you're looking at another 10 points per game, and that could easily be the difference in the Warriors sitting at seven and four instead of four and seven, or even better. Um, what else? Another thing that I think one positive change that I've been seeing from Thompson because Thompson's just really seemed hell bent on railing threes. And what I've seen from him lately is um, a little bit more patience at times. And when players, when defenses are trying to run him off the three-point line, he is now willing to take a dribble in and shoot the long two, which typically goes in because it's more of an in-rhythm shot and he's typically more squared up to the hoop. And so that's, I think, a good step in the right direction. At the end of the day, you got to take what the defense gives you and not force it so much. So... Hope to see some more of that from Clay Thompson. Another weird thing in the game against Sacramento, and this also relates to Jordan Poole, is um, bad passes and bad decisions when uh, players on the Warriors were jumping into the air and getting caught in the air and having nowhere to go with the ball and throwing it away and, and basically live ball turnovers. So that was a huge issue um, against the Kings. It happened, you know, at least three or four times that I can count between Thompson and, and Poole. I think Wiggins was also susceptible to that a few times. Uh, Warriors actually only finished the game with 15 turnovers, uh, five of those from Draymond, three of those from Thompson, four of those from Wiggins, three of those from Poole. So, um, 
for the Warriors, 15 turnovers, I think, is a shade under their per-game average. I think they're sitting at about 16.5, so that was good. But the nature of those turnovers were mostly live ball, and the, so that typically is just a free a free bucket for the other team on the other end. So um, that's definitely not ideal at all. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole has struggled mightily this season. I think that's an understatement. Um, after signing the big contract, I think Warriors fans and myself included were really expecting a big step forward from Poole, being able to come off the bench and just becoming instant offense as we became accustomed to from his role last year, um, operate as this kind of facilitator playmaker with the second unit, get James Wiseman involved. And we've seen Poole be very inconsistent at doing both. Um, Poole seems to either be in the mindset of I'm going to put up 20 shots, uh, whether they're going in or not, or in the mindset of I'm going to just pass all game and not take any shots. And so the game against the Sacramento Kings was the passive version of Jordan Poole, only attempted four shots, one of four from the field, 0 of two from three, missed his only free throw from the line. Um, That has been another suspect part of his game as of late. Uh, Jordan Poole, who led the NBA in free throw shooting last year um, at 92.5% uh, 92, 92 on um, 3.5 attempts this year, is now sitting at 80%, 80.5% on 3.7 attempts. So, um, you know, 12%, that is a huge drop. I think, I don't know if it's confidence, I don't know, you know, He's in his head. He's clearly going through some issues trying to balance this, these new roles that he's being asked of Steve from Steve Kerr. But um, per game averages for Jordan Poole, 15.2 points, 12.5 field goals, 40% from the field, 6.6 three-point attempts on 30% shooting, 4.9 assists on 3.2 turnovers. So, um, you know, putting up the same number of points as Thompson, but with three less attempts from the field, shooting slightly better from the field overall but not quite as well from three compared to thompson i think really though the 4.9 assists on 3.2 turnovers that is brutal um that is a lot of turnovers per game so obviously you know the the ball is in jordan Poole's hands he is leading the second unit um that puts a lot of pressure on him to set up his teammates he's got the defense focused on him in a higher usage role And he's struggling, to say the least. He is trying to do a little bit of everything as well as play defense. And the results have not been encouraging thus far in the early going 11 games into the season. And again, part of the struggles here for Jordan Poole are now he is picking up the opposing defense's, you know, best perimeter defender. He's got teams um, overloading to him. Uh, when he's got the ball in his hands, he's not getting any open, easy looks from three. Um, he is attacking the hoop in similar fashion as he did last season. It seems like his touch around the basket is, isn't quite there. We talked about the free throw shooting, which is just the most bizarre thing because other than confidence and rhythm, there really shouldn't be anything that changes from your stroke from, from your free throws season to season. So, you know, there, there's obviously a lot going on here for Poole, still very young at 23 years old. We talked about how the coaching staff and Steve Kerr are 
you know, imploring him to do so much more for this team, be a two-way player, buy in on defense, lead the second unit, but still continue to score, but also facilitate and find the open guy. We, you know, we've been talking Ignacium on this show, and I'm sure, you know, for the listeners who look at other Warriors content and media, um, it's just continuously hammered on right now how putrid and abysmal the Warriors second unit has been offensively and defensively. So everything is just compounded here. But the nice thing is, in my opinion, um, there is room to grow. There is opportunity to correct things. This isn't, you know, pool forgetting how to shoot. This is an adjustment. This is adapt. And this is what comes with a big payday. This is what comes with, um, you know, getting respect from defenses. This is what comes with being a star. And, He's going to need to work through it. He's going to need to fine-tune that balance between facilitating and scoring. And also the coaching staff is going to need to find more opportunities for him to be successful to play with the starters in the first unit so that he can still find those easy looks. Um, Certainly that was the idea with starting Poole in the second half in the third quarter against the Kings, putting him next to Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green. But even so, Poole's mentality in that third quarter was almost like, I'm not going to shoot. Um, there were a lot of times that he was catching the ball on the wing, and he didn't even look at the basket. It looked like he was just catching the ball and passing it, you know, before before even thinking anything else. So I think that this, uh, you know, Warriors haven't played since Monday. They'll have had this nice long break to practice and time off. You'd hope that this quote unquote reset gives guys a chance to evaluate and take some feedback and criticism from the coaching staff to look at film, to talk about ways that they can improve on their game. And you have to think that Jordan Poole is one of the players at the top of the list, because as much as we can harp on the play of James Wiseman and Jermichael Green and Jonathan Kaminga, who aren't getting minutes, who who are these young developing players, but they're so raw, blah, blah, blah. Those guys aren't going to play significant minutes in the postseason. Those guys aren't going to have, you know, significant roles in the regular season when everyone's healthy. Jordan Poole is. Clay Thompson already is. And so those two guys, in my mind, are really where the focus needs to be um, to clean things up if this Warriors team wants to turn things around and go on a little win streak and get out of the bottom of the Western Conference standings. Sure, if Wiseman could, you know, have any type of consistency on offense and defense and and play 15 minutes a game and provide some solid rim protection and rebounding and finish inside, that would be nice. But you still have Draymond and Kavon Looney who are arguably, you know, top-tier front court in the NBA. So what are you expecting Wiseman to do this season? Um, you'd like to see the growth and development to feel good about the Warriors, you know, paying him what he's currently paid and using that slot in the roster. But when you talk about opportunities and not opportunities, when you're looking at the rotation and the role of certain players, I mean, these guys are playing the role of seven, eight, nine man. And um, I don't think that, I don't think that's going to be make it or break it for the Warriors as much as what you look at Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole are doing um, when you're combining, you know, when those two are combining for almost 30 shots a game and they're collectively shooting sub 40% from the field, putting up, you know, 15 to 16 to 17 three pointers at 30%. That's just so many shots. That's such 
a low efficiency and then compounded by the fact that the Warriors are turning it over, they're fouling too much on defense, they're giving opposing teams free looks um, with free throws, and it just makes it so difficult for the Warriors because they have to be so efficient to have a chance to stay into these games because the other team's getting free throws and we're shooting low-efficiency threes. Well, not low-efficiency in the sense that they're highly contested, but low-efficiency in the sense that the people who are shooting them aren't converting at a high rate. So that's my pool and Thompson rant. I think, you know, rather than focusing and putting Kaminga and Wiseman under the micro under the um, the microscope and overanalyzing their games and their rotation and impact, I think we got to take a step back and look at Thompson and Poole as guys who can have an immediate impact on this roster, guys who are playing big minutes, who are a part of the rotation, who are going to be a part of the core postseason group. And those guys need to make a difference. Um, they need to become more efficient. They need to lock in defensively. They need to get their head into the game. So let's transition here, talking about this interview with Bob Myers. Um, this is with, again, the, the Athletic. There were a couple takeaways here that I want to talk about first was, um, you know, Bob Myers saying that, hey, we're not going to overreact to 11 games into the season, which I think is, you know, something that I've been saying myself on these shows, that it's still early in the season, and you lost all this cohesion and chemistry with Damian Lee, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Nemanja Bielitsa, GP2, Otto Porter Jr., all these guys, you know, basically their entire bench mob up and gone. You have these second and third year players um, who are still learning their way. This is really their first opportunity being thrust into rotational roles. And, um, you know, it's, it's a tough life out there in the modern NBA. There's a lot of talented players. There's a lot of talented teams, even the ones that don't make it to the postseason, especially early in the young season. Everybody's motivated and playing really hard and trying to make an impact. Um, and so, you know, and, and you've got guys who are out there talking about we should be looking to trade these guys and bring in some vets. And sure, it's clear that we have a lack of veteran presence on the bench. Jermichael Green picked up a DNP who would be the most, you know, vet-worthy candidate. Andre Iguodala still has no timetable to return. He would be another guy that could help stabilize the second unit. Dante DiVincenzo is on track to play tonight. So he's been out for um, what seems like at least two weeks with a hamstring injury. I think that is going to have a big impact on the second unit. DiVincenzo is a guy who can do a little bit of everything, who can handle the ball, who can take some pressure off of Jordan Poole, who can hit an open shot, who can defend at a high level. So I think getting DiVincenzo back is going to make a big difference. Um, that's probably going to take away some of the playing time that's been going to Ty Jerome. But um, again, Myers, let's not overreact to 11 games. Let's look at where this team is at after 40 games. Um, but also with, with that comment, one of the things that he said is the Warriors are not opposed to making a trade. They're not opposed to doing whatever it's going to take to be a contender. And so right now, after 11 games, even though that's, it's a putrid start for this team, 
they still feel like the Warriors are contender, are contenders right now. Um, they still feel like, you know, the starting unit has one of the best net ratings in the league. And so that's good enough to make the playoffs. So before we get all crazy and talk about all these different trade scenarios and, and mixing it up and trading away all these young, promising players, let's take a moment and just appreciate that the starting lineup is today one of the better lineups in the league across across the league. And, you know, that says a few things. One, well, why are they losing so many games? And two, why are we wasting this incredible first unit by not having a good second unit to back them up and help them win. Um, and, you know, sure, this is the unfortunate result of the um, win now, develop now mentality that has been highly touted by um, Joe Lacob. And sure, I think that there are valid criticisms of the roster and the way that it's constructed, but this is the direction that the team has chosen to go. And so um, if you're Steve Kerr and the coaching staff and the Warriors front office, I think you'd like to be better than four and seven, but you also know that if this team can, you know, eclipse the top six in the West, that they're, they are more than able to, as they proved last year to win out in the West um, obviously, you'd like to finish with a better record and maintain that home court advantage. We know the Warriors can win on the road or at home um, when they are locked in and playing high-level basketball. We simply have just not seen that from this group, even when you talk about this this starting unit and their impact and net rating through the first 11 games. There are still there have still been times that they've squandered opportunities to close out games. We had this happen in Charlotte, um, in Detroit where even though the Warriors built up leads that the second units gave away, it was the starting unit playing down the stretch and not being able to close out games that we have grown accustomed to the Warriors being able to close out. So, yeah, let's, again, Bob Myers' comment is, you know, we're not looking to make any moves right now. We're only 11 games in, but... We still consider this team a contender and we're going to revisit that after 20 games, after 30 games, after 40 games. And, you know, as we approach the trade deadline, if we're not feeling confident in this group and feeling like we like our odds as, as championship contenders, as repeat, you know, repeat finalists, um, they're not opposed to making a change, whatever that may be. Uh, Warriors also still have one open roster spot. Uh, 15th roster spot that's uh, currently available to use as well. So, um, and then lastly, you know, Kerr is up to the challenge of this season. You know, Steve Kerr has had quite a interesting set of rosters to work with over the last eight or nine years. And this is by far the most challenging of all of them. And they're up to it. They're up to the challenge the coaching staff is incredibly talented with a lot of with a lot of different personnel with different specialties and they're up to the challenge to teaching this group um and once they figure out how to unlock this second unit and continue to tinker with the rotations and find the appropriate ways to utilize the starters in the capacity of of this um incredible net rating but then also 
being able to play the second unit sparingly with starters to avoid the continuous pitfall of starters build a 10-point lead, second unit comes in, gives up the 10-point lead, and then some. Um, So, again, I don't think that they are looking to make any changes anytime soon, but if this 4-7 record continues and we project that out to 40 games from now and the Warriors are still playing sub-500 basketball, hanging around, you know, 10th or worst in the West, and you're still continuing to see a struggling Wiseman and Kaminga, et cetera, in second unit. Yeah, I think that'll be interesting to see what the what the team decides to do then and in the direction that they go in. It's also going to depend on what players are available. You know, somebody that I've somebody's name who I've been seeing tossed around a lot is Jakob Pertle for James Wiseman and and then some. Um and I just don't know how of how much of a difference that would be to have somebody like Jakob Pertle coming off the bench when right now you're playing Kavon Looney off the bench at times um, in the second unit. Well, Kavon Looney's starting, but they are using Kavon Looney to stabilize the second unit defensively while James Wiseman has been racking up some DNPs. So, you know, Pertle, I think, is more offensively gifted than Kavon Looney, but I don't know how much better he'd be defensively because Looney um, is one of the Warriors' kind of best system players. So again, that kind of goes back to my whole conversation about and thought process with like, we're putting so much emphasis on the struggling second unit and how we need to make changes. But at the end of the day, you've got Wiggins playing you know, 36 to 38 minutes. You've got Steph playing, you know, 37 minutes. Clay Thompson playing 38 minutes. Draymond playing 36 minutes. And I think obviously you'd like for those minutes to go down for the starting unit. But when you look at the postseason and down the road, anybody that you're going to get that's going to be a second unit guy, there isn't like a glaring hole to plug somebody in for 30 minutes a night that's going to have this huge impact. What we're missing is the cohesion and consistency and chemistry that we had grown accustomed to from Damian Lee, from Juan Toscano Anderson, who fans were constantly frustrated with and would cite as, you know, Damian Lee missing shots, losing us the game. But sure, there were times where Damian Lee, you know, would miss wide open corner threes, but Damian Lee also knew how to play in the system, when to move the ball. He was a solid defender. He could rebound. He understood all the principles on both sides of the floor that Steve Kerr and the coaching staff are trying to implement. And so that's the challenge here. You've got you've got Moody, who's been playing really well at times, but not 100%, and at times he makes mistakes and slips up. Kaminga, you know, the effort continues to be questioned, or I, I would say the energy continues to be suspect for him when he's on the floor, and he's not consistent 100% of the time either. Um, but there's just not a ton of minutes even being given out to the second unit right now. And part of that is out of necessity because when you're in a five-game losing streak, you've got to put your chips all in at some point and try to, to string together some victories and right the ship, especially in that scenario on Monday night where the Warriors didn't have another game until Friday that Steve Kerr could feel comfortable by really kind of 
overplaying his starting unit to try and close out a game. Um, but I just don't see, at least right now at this point, with the way that this team is constructed, even if you did like a Wiseman plus a few picks and you bring in per- Jakob Pertl, um, you know, you're still looking at less than 20 minutes a night for Pertl. So I don't know if that move in a vacuum on its own really does enough to right the ship for this second unit. I think it really comes down to needing a group of five players who can play on the floor with a combination of starters and bench unit. Everybody's locked in defensively. Everyone trusts each other. We're not reaching in and fouling um, and, and sending the team you know, on a parade to the free throw line. And then offensively, we're patient. We're moving the ball. We're cutting. We're not standing around. We're playing in this read and react motion offense and making the right plays. Um, that coupled with some increased efficiency from Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole from, from the field goal line, um, I think will go leaps and bounds above what we've seen this team do uh, thus far. Lastly, um, well, I guess not lastly, because we also need to talk about the uh, the Cavs game tonight. Um, some other updates in Warriors Nation. We've got Ryan Rawlings, who went off last night for the C-Dubs, Santa Cruz Warriors, scoring 27 points on 12 of 20 shooting. Um, we mentioned that Dante DiVincenzo is on track and expected to play tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Iguodala, still no timetable to return. Um, And so, yeah, I think Ryan Rawlings, that's really great to see him playing well for the Santa Cruz Warriors. He has not looked great when he's been given minutes um, with the Warriors in, um, in previous opportunities, but he's still obviously getting up to speed. This is a young player with a ton of potential, so we will continue to track and monitor him from that perspective, but great to see him doing well in Santa Cruz. So a look ahead at the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs, again, as we mentioned, lost opening night, went on an eight-game win streak, and then lost to the Kings. This is a much-improved Cleveland team. Uh, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Karis LeVert, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen rounds out their starting unit. The Cavs are um, tops in the NBA, uh, at the upper end in the NBA on both offense and defense ratings right now. Um, They have a ton of shooters. They play incredible defense. They move the ball well. Um, And this is with Darius Garland missing half of their games with an eye injury. Um, So this is a very talented Cavaliers team. But again, they just lost to the Sacramento Kings. So... Um, you know, anything is possible. I think this is going to be, um, a very good matchup for the Warriors. You know, the Warriors and Cavs have this, uh, very well-documented, um, rivalry from all the years of LeBron and, and the Warriors going at it in the finals. Um, obviously LeBron is no longer with the Cavaliers. Kevin Love is the only player remaining, uh, from that, from that, uh, roster from those times, um, Kevin Love's actually been fairly productive off the bench for them when he's uh, given opportunities. So the Warriors are going to need to make sure to not let Love get hot off the bench. Jared Allen is, um, you know, a budding, a budding center in the NBA. 
with a lot of energy and um, length. He is a force to be reckoned with. Evan Mobley, the same. Um, very talented uh, young big in the NBA. And then Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, quite the backcourt for the Warriors to have to deal with. So this is going to be a really great test for the Warriors and see what they've been able to work on with this time off. Um, you know, with the Warriors, as bad as they've been playing and um, as good as we know that they can play and what we've seen from Steph Curry, his heroics thus far in the season, you know, if Steph gets any help from Wiggins, Clay, and Poole, and Draymond and Looney can lock in defensively, you know, Warriors are good enough to beat anybody. And that's the, that's the, I guess, the sad part of about where the Warriors sit at four and seven is the Warriors have been relatively healthy. Steph Curry has been playing like a madman. And we know this team has the ability to just blow teams out, but we're just not seeing it yet. Um, and I don't think it's all on the second unit. I think it's a little bit of everything, the fouling, um, sending the other team to the free throw line, the, the unfortunate turnovers, the inability to close out close games. And sure, not having a good second unit definitely makes it much more challenging for the Warriors. Um, but I don't think that's the area of focus and where the focus should be. I think that the Warriors have plenty of talent on this roster up and down to win games. We just need to see them actually put together a solid 48-minute effort. And, um, you know, I think the only game in which they really did that was the game in New Orleans where all the starters sat. That was really the first game that I saw everyone who played on the floor that night, you know, really put in the effort from start to finish on both sides of the floor. And so that to me is promising in the sense that these young guys can play. These young guys have it in themselves. We just need to unlock it and we need to find the right ways to deploy them and use them in situations where their strengths can be accentuated and their deficiencies aren't so highlighted. Um, that and patience. Patience with this young team, patience with this young group, uh, we have really taken for granted these end of the bench, but very critical key cogs, the Juan Toscano Andersons and Damian Lees. I'm going to keep going back to these guys because rarely where were either of those guys highlighted in a victory or a loss, but they just did everything that you need your role players to do coming off the bench to win games. So, that is all we've got for you guys today. Thank you for tuning in. This has been a We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. Please give me a follow over at Twitter if you haven't already. That's at SD Orlick. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll catch you on the next one.